somewhere. It's Thursday, it's Christmas Eve. There's magic in the air, and that magic, dear listener, is the magic of cinema. Welcome, for the first time, to the best movie podcast ever, the only movie podcast that offers objective, hyperbole-free discussion of every movie in the known universe. I am your host, the podcaster with no name, Conrad, and with me as always, he will be your wingman anytime, it's Anthony James. Afternoon, good evening, good night. Lovely. How the <laughs> devil are you, sir? I'm doing well, doing well. What about yourself? I'm not bad, thank you. Well, I'm, I'm in excited. The I'm excited spirit. about this new venture. I know, I know. Thank you for joining us to anyone who's listening to this uh, maiden voyage yeah. of the good the good ship BMPE. Yeah, the BMPE. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, we'll try. Um, on this ship, uh, we won't have our stars shouting at people who are working the lights because of breaking social distancing measures. We simply yeah. won't have that here. Exactly. No, no. I'm a little bright, I'm a little bright but we'll deal with it. Uh, you know, yeah. I, my, my usual lighting guy wasn't in today, so... <laughs> I feel, I, yeah, I, I, um, I feel like I, or I felt like I had to mention the Tom Cruise, uh, thing because, um, I don't know if you actually w- like watched that video, but like we said, I, the- I, I, I generally uh, don't like to watch videos of Tom Cruise. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good stance. But <laughs> I felt like we mentioned him in the intro. If they've been edited together by a professional editor with some good, good lighting and music, I'll watch them then because <laughs> yeah, they're, they're yeah. called films. <laughs> yeah, they're called movies, and that's what we're here to talk about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> speaking of which, um. Subscribe to us on YouTube, please. The link is in the description down there. Um, and on podcasting apps, we're on all the good ones. The bad ones can suck it. Um, <laughs> and if, if you'd be so inclined, a rating and a like would help us out immensely. Um, but without further ado, let's talk about some movies. Let's do it. Right. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. Nice. Right. Well, Hello. Thanks hello. for joining us again. Uh, hello to you, Anthony. Hello to our, our loyal listeners, new and existing alike. Um, yep. To give you a brief rundown of what this podcast is going to be, some weeks it's going to be you know a themed episode uh, like this one, um, and some weeks it will be just us talking about movies that we've watched since the last time uh, we did one of those, which I guess means in the first time we do one of those, we're going to talk about every movie we've ever seen up until, up until that, that point, yeah, we'd have to. Um, yeah, it might be. A, it might be a long one. So I set aside a week in January for it. <laughs> okay, excellent, fine. So you know, look forward to getting that. It'll probably be about forty hours long, I think. So we might need to <laughs> at least, them. at least. Yeah, we'll have to schedule the uploads. Um, but obviously, if we're doing a movie about pod about movies, rather, we're doing a movie about movies. We're doing a podcast about we can. movies. We can do a movie. I'm happy to do a movie. I got the camera. Ah, got the lights. Yeah. I'll get, get the, the lighting guy. I'll get the lighting guy in. We'll 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 light it properly. It'll be real nice. Someone buy the rights to this. This is gold. <laughs> yeah. um, if we're doing a podcast about movies, obviously we need to start by establishing the best movies ever made. Uh, we yeah. simply can't operate with any credibility without doing that. Um, so objectively, by the way, this isn't our yeah. opinion. This isn't Absolutely. our opinion. Yeah. yeah, it needs to be objective. It needs to be hyperbole-free, emotion-free. Yeah, we've looked at the numbers. We've sat down and crunched them, and this is this is what we've come out with. And finally, we can put the we can put the best movies ever made uh, debate to bed with this. We're, we're, we're going to disappoint some people. Some people are going to think, why isn't you know why isn't my why isn't you know I don't know the the Care Bear movie in here? But we couldn't include all the best movies ever. You know, we had to include what we what what, what is are the objective ten. We had to be yeah. heartless about it, really. Yeah, we, we we've got to be. The numbers don't lie. Um, <laughs> so unfortunately. 
this is the top 10. Yeah. Um, and with that in mind, then, I say we we just we just get cracking on it. Um, yeah. So, Anthony, do you want to do you want to kick us off with what is in your? Well, in fact, actually, I'll say before I say this, yeah. we're each going to name. We're going to propose uh, a movie. We each pick five. We're going to propose a movie that we think should be in the ten nine spot, and then we're going to have a little discussion about which one we think should go in it, and then um, we'll yeah we'll continue so, that. Yeah. So basically, as the 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 top ten will be made up of conrad and my objective five best films yeah and then and so it'll be dotted throughout uh, and then for the one and two we're gonna flip a coin yeah so we because... don't actually we don't, we don't have a conversation about those two because we don't want any animosity on this podcast no. we, we know we've got, it's only our first one we don't we don't want to we don't want to like tear each other apart so the f- one and two will be to a coin coin flip i'm looking forward to that yeah we'll let the fates decide because really what better judge of art is there than 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 lady fortune yeah um exactly. <laughs> so with that in mind Anthony, um what are you proposing for either the the nine or the ten spot in our top 10 movies ever list okay so i am proposing so my fifth uh my number five which is going to be either the nine or ten i am proposing happy gilmore adam sandler nice. classic uh it's just it's just you know it's probably nostalgia talking but it is a great film i i i I myself think back on uh the days of adam sandler in the late 90s early 2000s as well and i think to myself why isn't will ferrell laughed at and said and talked about how crappy is these days adam sandler is you know will ferrell films aren't good anymore but for some reason adam sandler even though he had a great twilight of his career like will ferrell did Adam Sandler is treated with such disrespect, and I don't get it. Most comic actors do that when they do the same joke a hundred times. By that eightieth yeah. time, it gets a bit it gets a bit annoying. But the first twenty times they did it are objectively good. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I haven't seen Happy Gilmore in a long time. I haven't seen any of his kind of like late nineties Happy Madison pictures uh, for for a while. But I remember really liking Happy Gilmore, um, uh, and you know, likewise, I, I looked this up actually because we to give the listeners a brief peek behind the curtain uh we did discuss these lists uh, or we mentioned these lists to each other ahead of time so we which come is going pre-armed. to make me look very foolish because conrad has actually looked at my films i have not looked at his yeah i'll, I'll just make up things as we go about yours yeah it's fine just, listen this is we're talking about movies on the internet facts have no place in this discussion all right it's always pure well no sorry this is all facts this is all facts oh, sorry it's all objective, objective. Yeah, it's all objective yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. um sorry, but it's, so the director of happy gilmore is a guy called dennis dugan and he He's also directed big daddy he oh did. is he big daddy he directed jack and jill um yeah. he directed grown-ups <laughs> yes so we, can, we so we can we can give him the credit for the late 90s ones yeah but he did also could... direct all the other ones as well <laughs> there's a there's a steep decline on that bell curve we're like right in the middle he was doing all right and then it was suddenly like oh boy um but i i remember liking this movie to be honest uh, and and um adam sandler I, it's interesting you mentioned will ferrell actually because i feel like will ferrell uh does not have the dramatic chops that adam sandler has as an actor like in the right role adam sandler can actually do some good dramatic work as we will come back to later in our list yeah <laughs> i think <laughs> Um, but yeah, an Adam Sandler classic, very funny. Um, I, I, I'm just didn't... picking on Will Ferrell. Sorry, I didn't. I didn't mean to pick on him. I, I just. I just. I'm. I'm an, like Adam Sandler is my generation. Obviously, Will Ferrell's amazing. I could have put Step Brothers in here. Like, yeah, he like, is very funny. Step Brothers are on command. There is the sort of classics, but but you know what? Adam Sandler is the OG. Not really the OG, but he's the '90s OG for me. You know. Yeah, I. I think that's that's. Um... 
that's fair enough. And oh, oh, like this, um, uh, Happy Gilmore has um, one of my favourite villain names of all time. Oh, yeah. In I think is it is it Shooter McGavin? Sh- is that Shooter his name? McGavin? Shooter McGavin, which is like <laughs> that is a it's up there with. Have you ever seen uh, Kingpin, the Bill Murray uh, yep. bowling movie? Yeah, like his name's Ernie McCracken in that, which is also <laughs> a great a great bad guy name for a a, a niche sport. Well, I guess golf isn't really. And niche. Randy Randy Quaid plays an Amish man, and I was the he other the, the other day because I had my really long beard still. I before I trimmed it, someone called me Amish in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Donnie Starts actually. Donnie Starts called nice. Um But yeah, like uh, in Happy Gilmore, like you can't you can't pass over Carl Weathers. Like Carl Weathers in Happy Gilmore, he plays Chubbs Chubbs Peterson. He's he's his uh, he's his coach, and he's got one, oh he's, I forgot yeah he's, he's only got one hand because a, a, a gator a gator took his hand. And he goes, but I tore one of that bastard's eyes out. Look at that. He's got the, he's got the, ga- the gator's eye in his, in his jar. It's it's always good to see Carl Weathers in, in anything, frankly. And I feel like Happy Gilmore was ahead of the game in the sort of return of Carl Weathers that I guess was like reignited by Arrested Development about like five or six years after it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I will watch mention as well before we go off. Happy Gilmore, you, you can't move past without uh, mentioning the fact that Ben Stiller is actually in it. I don't remember that. Who's he playing? Yeah, you need to watch this film again. But Ben, ben Stiller is uh, the care care home where Happy Gilmore's grandma is. Um, Virginia Bennett, that's the name of the grandma. Uh, no, sorry, no, that's Julie Bowen's character. Um, I think grandma's just called. I think grandma's just called grandma. Yeah, I mean that. I, wouldn't put I, it I think past. she's just called grandma. I think that's the name. But um, yeah, so basically, uh, Ben Stiller plays the care home worker, <coughs> and uh, he's like sort of. It's like he he's working them like a sweatshop, and they're like making blankets, <laughs> and he's selling them. And uh, and she, and one of the old women goes, my fingers hurt. And he goes, oh, your fingers hurt? Well, now your back's going to hurt because you just pulled landscaping, Judy. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that line. <laughs> ben Stiller is, is another like guy who I feel like has kind of been lo- maybe lost to time a little bit in the sort of late, well, certainly in the 20 teens. Uh, is that what we call them? The 2010s, I guess. 2010 um, yeah. But uh, like he was, he was like very funny for for a stretch there, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, so, so it's, it's natural then, as if I mean this this actually wasn't pre planned, but as as Lady Fortuna would have it, um, my number five is uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's Punch Drunk Love from two thousand two, which also stars Adam Sandler. So um, oh, we have two Adam Sandler movies in our up. top ten. Well, that's Tina. not all. <laughs> that's the, that, might, that, that probably is the last time you see Adam Sandler on this list. But yeah, wait for Jack and Jill at number two. Like that'll get the that'll get some <laughs> some some gums flapping. Uh, but no, this is this is an awesome. This is like legitimately. I, I guess you'd call it a rom com. But I mean, you know, you're you're like a as, as we will come back to later for your stuff. Uh, a fan of Paul Thomas Anderson as a director, and I think I think this is probably one of his kind of. Um, I guess his his his. I don't want to say safest because that makes it sound bad, but it's kind of like a romantic comedy, really. Um, and it, it's a lot. Yeah. It's quite sort of simple and um, ref- I don't know, conservative, like structurally. When you look at some of the other stuff he did, like I don't know, compared to um, uh, what was the one with uh, Joaquin Phoenix that he did? Inherent he did. Vice or The Master? Yeah, Inherent Vice. I Inherent found that Vi- really hard to follow. I loved Inherent Vice. I, like, yeah. I well, Inherent Vice was made as like it's made like a crime sort of show it's crime film but they also made it like you needed to like he was always on drugs so you watch it like and it sort of feels like you're on drugs watching it like you know the the plot threads don't really fit 
very yeah. well unless you're really paying attention. Like it's, and you're kind of jumping around. Yeah, really well made. I, I, I love that film. Paul Thomas Anderson is one of my favorite directors. And, like, you know, based on the fact that I chose Happy Gilmore first, a lot of people might be thinking that I'll just be, <laughs> me- I'll, I'll just be memeing this whole time. Let me tell you, this is the objective best films. I didn't yeah. choose these. But at the, these came to me in a dream. But at the same time... Yeah. Uh, I, I tried to I tried to be and I think Conrad did as well because you know his films are varying too, but I'm trying to include as many genres as I can because this is a yeah. movie podcast. This isn't let's talk about you know all these little different independent films and let's talk about all these Oscar winning films. It's a movie podcast. We love movies. Every person in the world should watch a variety of movies. So yeah, yeah, and, and you know. I do think, yeah, like, I think it is important as well. Like, obviously, we're we're gonna have some fun here, people. Don't yeah. worry about that. You're in for a you're in for a fun ride. Yeah. But I mean, you haven't had fun just... yet. Don't worry. It's guaranteed. Guaranteed. You haven't fun. had fun yet. What are you doing? Have yeah. fun now. <laughs> yeah. um, but but like, I think that there is a legitimate point to be made there. That like, Happy Gilmore. There's nothing wrong with liking those kind of movies, you know. Like, and we we mm. kind of in our in our um intro um not intro package in our like promotional video for this kind of like memed on christopher nolan movies a lot because everyone everyone loves christopher no- or loves christopher nolan movies in the 2010 but a lot of those are actually there you go we'll come back to that later don't you worry about that a little sneak preview for the audio um, listeners i just held up the tenant blu-ray <laughs> but i mean they are some of them are legitimately very very good movies and there is nothing wrong with liking those movies don't ever let anyone tell you that you're not allowed to like something because it's popular um yeah. and i i think Talking about Punch Drunk Love briefly, like I, I, it's probably one of his, one of Paul Thomas Anderson's least popular movies. I think probably less seen than his later stuff. I think, I think so because it was before he was getting Oscar buzz, and I think yeah. once you start getting Oscar buzz, you do go out into sort of more avenues in society. I think uh, There Will Be Blood was probably the first time that he got a uh, big Oscar buzz, and I think they, yeah. well, obviously Daniel Day Lewis won the Oscar for that, but um. So it, I, I think that Punch Drunk Love is a really good film um, and it has all the hallmarks of a Paul Thomas Anderson film. Like the score yeah. is amazing in that film. Yeah, the score, like, I actually looked up, uh, yeah, it's this guy called John Brian's score and it's like, it's, it's very similar to like the Johnny Greenwood stuff later where it's like quite chaotic and like percussive. Um, yeah. And it really is, it's it like, I think one of the things, Johnny Greenwood's amazing at it as well, but one of the things that Paul Thomas Anderson is great at is, is using his score to like support the themes of his movies. Yep. So in that, like basically, like for those of you who haven't seen it, it's like a rom-com about Adam Sandler is a guy with anger issues and his life is just this mess and he falls in love with um emily watson who's a friend of his sister or one of his seven sisters i think um yeah but like the the narrative is just really chaotic and it's this like really cool juxtaposition of this like kind of fairy tale romance that's happening against the backdrop of this like industrial estate in i don't even think they say where it is um but yeah mm. it, and, and, and like the score supports that like it's very chaotic um in a way that i love and, and i love the johnny greenwood stuff as well that that that, uh, that was done for his later films yeah, and it's also let's not let's not pass over the fact that it's got the late great Philip Seymour Hoffman in it. It does, yeah. As a as a, I believe he's a furniture, a villainous furniture store uh, slash mattress sex salesman. hotline. Mattress yeah, he's salesman. a mattress salesman. That's right. He owns a mattress emporium and also a sex hotline that scams the people who phone it. Um, and Adam Sandler phones it looking for love, and therein lies our plot. Yeah, uh, and like <laughs> this film is for it's for people who love romance. It's for people yeah. who love seeing a good bad guy in Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's for people who love collecting vouchers off pudding you know (laughs) it's for everyone (laughs) yeah if you want to get air miles uh by by buying pudding this is the movie for you this this is is where you get all your tips a harebrained scheme um there's actually something funny that uh that i that i know about and this you know i I know about this somehow i can't remember how i know might be wrong listeners 
It's not wrong. Trust me. Uh, basically, after he finished, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson finished his uh, his film Mag- Mag- Magnolia. He finished Magnolia, Magnolia yeah. in the late nineties. Um, he was doing a press conference, and after that film, like it was critically acclaimed. Um, Tom Cruise is in that one as well, actually. I've never seen that. Yeah. Um, well, I actually, I, I've, I, I have seen it very long ago. When I first saw There Will Be Blood, I went and watched every Paul Thomas Anderson film ever, but I haven't watched it since then. Yeah. But, but basically, um, in Magnolia, after Magnolia, he was doing a press conference because all, all this buzz, like, and a reporter asked Paul Thomas Anderson, "What's your next film going to be?" And he said, uh, "An Adam Sandler comedy." <laughs> and they all erupted laughing and actually yep. that's what he did little did they know yeah. but but um yeah i i mean i just i think it's good to have the adam sandler representation on here because as uncut gems showed us last year and and, and this showed us and there was another movie he made funny people in like the mid 2000s oh, yeah yeah like, but, that, like, that was know, very much new wave uh seth rogany judd apto comedy yeah but also obviously those comedies have a fair bit of drama in them which yeah. adam sandler films if they do have drama it's very high-pitched but um yeah. yeah, but I mean, he showed you know he can when when push comes to shove, Adam Sandler can can perform in a oh, role. Yeah. Um, right, okay. So now comes the moment where we need to decide which of these is coming in at number nine and which of these is coming in at number ten. Um, I just listen. I'm happy for uh, Happy Gilmore to be number ten because okay, I think that uh, there's a lot of viewers of this podcast who our credibility will go directly out the window <laughs> if, if if we say that uh, Punch Drunk Love. Is, uh, is worse than is Happy worse Gilmore. Than Happy Gilmore, but objectively, uh, remember, it's objective. Like this is all objective. Like we are, the, we are the voice of the movie gods here. But uh, I would say, I, I, I personally, if I, if it was, it was, if I was to choose a film to watch, yeah, more likely, there are more situations in life where I would choose to watch Happy Gilmore. Yeah. Um, having said that, I believe Punch Drunk Love is a is a better film. Yeah. But you wouldn't it, show it, Punch Drunk it, Love to children. It wasn't in my objective top five. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Like that's. I think that's fair enough. So number ten is Happy Gilmore, and number nine is Punch Drunk Love. So Adam Sandler propping up the the top ten list uh, with two two solid performances there. So now we go to both of our number fours. So Anthony, uh, let let's have it. Okay. So for number four, now I've got a few films in my list that you would consider to be critically acclaimed, yeah. um, or just like sort of high quality cinema right uh where a keynote yeah. experience so i'm I, I and and i know some of these films if i put them in my number four people aren't gonna really uh like that however <laughs> because because the films that are coming later aren't aren't really cinema if you know what it's, i mean it's it's what it's, it's all about what you like it's, it's all cinema it's all cinema yeah. so this one here we were just talking about it i'm putting it in number four I think maybe if you like, this is this is these are the objective best. But if I was yeah. just going to say what are the best, you know, <laughs> um, uh, this one might be uh, which which film I think is the highest quality film uh, that I that I that I've seen. Uh, this one probably would be that. But in terms of like my favorite best films ever, uh, if it makes any sense at all, the distinction I think it does. Uh, it is there will be blood. We were just Paul talking Thomas about Anderson it. back again, back again. This time, uh, supported by uh, Daniel Day Lewis, takes his first leading role in a in a Paul Thomas Anderson film, which, yeah. uh, to be honest with you, made me fall in love with Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah, I think this is the first Paul Thomas Anderson movie I ever saw. I, I don't. I I think I don't think I'd seen any of his work. This is my this. first Paul Thomas Anderson film I ever seen as well. Yeah, and it, and it is like a really good onboarding, and it, it's it's weird actually, like just because you mentioned Daniel Day Lewis there, I'd never seen uh, Last of the Mohicans. I don't know if you've seen that movie. Um, I have, yes. 
But I, I went and watched that this week just because it showed up on Netflix. And it's really weird seeing like Daniel Day-Lewis in that as a kind of, he's not, you know, he doesn't turn in a bad performance in it, but it's a very stereotypical kind of like heroic leading man performance. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. seeing him in There Will Be Blood, where he's still the lead, but there's, I feel like this was, maybe this is uh, maybe this is me showing my age, uh, you know, that this movie kind of struck me the way it did but i felt like this was daniel day lewis like announcing himself as an amazing actor um here well uh, definitely this is this is the start of uh him getting an oscar nomination for everything he does but, yeah uh, yeah yeah just like lincoln there you go have another one for that yeah <laughs> phantom uh, fred there you go yeah exactly so this is this is but i but the thing is about him about him he's always been amazing like um yeah uh gangs of new york fantastic he was yeah, in, he was good in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's he's in a, he's in a, he's in a film called In the Name of the Father, which tells the story of some men who were wrongly arrested, uh, and they were suspected to be IRA members. Um, oh, okay. Which I, I believe started his path down the road of um, empathizing with the Irish, and now he actually lives outside of uh, sort of in, in County Wicklow in the Wicklow Mountains in in Ireland. Yeah. Um, and he's he's renounced British citizenship. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. sorry, sorry, Conrad. And no, we're still having and, him. We're still claiming him. And now he's Irish, uh, Irish nationality. Um, you don't get away that easy, Daniel. <laughs> yeah. And I think he's also retired about five times. Like, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. The story, the story of him, whenever he was, uh, I think he went to Italy to work as a cobbler uh, in 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 the nineties, and and then Steven Spielberg and Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio had to go and meet with him in Italy to convince him to do Gangs in New York to get him back yeah. into the film industry, bring him out of retirement. Yeah, I I, I think I well, I mean I. I don't know that much about his acting process, but based on the performances he gets out, I think he, he it's probably quite exhausting for him to take roles. So I, I could definitely see him sort of coming out of a movie and being like, okay, I'm not going to do this for a while. I'm going to go make shoes instead. Yeah, exactly. And like, let's, and I think this was also talking about the start of like the sort of the award uh, streak for Daniel Lewis. I think this is also the start of the, um, the sort of, you know, there's a few actors who come and go, right? And they're, they're around for a while in a big, big way. They're in all these big films. And they don't, like, disappear. But they do sort of then take a back seat in terms of people's uh, uh, people's mindset. Like, it, like in, in the zeitgeist of film, I mean. And that is, for example, Paul Dano. Now, Paul Dano, oh, yeah. Paul Dano in this film was amazing. And this really announced himself. And he sort of became one of the best co- character actors in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, now, I think he's, he's obviously still going... But you see him less and less and less. Yeah, I'm trying to think the last thing I saw him in. It... Well, last thing, not the last thing he did, but the last thing I watched that he was in, I, I watched uh, Looper. But um, was he a Looper? I don't remember him. In that he was his all. mate at the start. Oh, okay. It has Looper. been a long time since I watched Looper, to be honest. Yeah, he's in Looper. So Looper, there will be blood in Prisoners. Unbelievable. Yeah, he's very good in that. So like yeah. Paul Dano is, but I, I I equate him to like sort of like uh the 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 sort of the awards version of just joseph gordon levitt you know like yeah they were both they were both really popular at the same time like and they were sort of in all these big films at the same time paul dano yeah. in my opinion was a better actor joseph oh, gordon levitt yeah. you know i'm always gonna love him because the third rock from the sun yeah <laughs> and 10 things ahead about you but uh yes yeah but basically i think i think paul dano like should still be like one of the big I, I, he never made the transition to, to the leading guy he made a few I, films. Yeah, he I made a few films. Yeah, I don't know, but he's he's a really good character actor anyway. Like, yeah, he's a great character actor. Like, and 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 yeah, and there will be blood. So, like, for those 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 who haven't seen it, it's basically um, Dan J. Lewis is is a, an, an oil man, as, an oil uh, man. <laughs> as he would say, um, and uh, it's about him slowly 
losing any shred of his humanity uh, as he attempts to get richer and richer. It's a character study. Like it's it's yeah. it's one hundred percent. If you want to if you want to know what a character study film is, this is that. It's it's yeah. nothing but the story of this man's life, basically. Um, and and all of the other characters are just there to service his growth. Um, yeah. Or non growth, as it were. But uh, yeah, no, it's a it's a fantastic film. Uh, it is like it will always be one of my favorite films of all time. Uh, yeah, and I yeah. just. Even just the, like the practical effects, you know, like the like there's an oil rig in it that explodes, and then like there's a like, mm. whole intense scene where he, where like he can't really hear because the explosions went off, and it's like sort of yeah. muffled, and and the score again, Johnny Greenwood's score in this oh, is yeah. absolutely incredible. I, th- I think I think that was the first one that Johnny Greenwood did for yeah, for Paul Thomas Anderson, but well, this, and, this like, is but only worked a, together. As far as I'm aware, this is this is the next film after Punch Drunk Love for Paul Thomas Anderson. Paul Punch uh, Drunk Love was like 2002. And this was like 2007. I think there was like a five-year yeah, gap. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah, I was, I was just trying to think when Boogie Nights was, but I think Boogie Nights was before Punch Drunk Love. So uh, Boogie Nights was Boogie Nights like was actually a second film. Or something. Yeah. Okay. 1997 was Boogie Nights. Oh, okay. Wow, that's longer ago than I thought. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah it's beautifully shot, and like as you say, the score's amazing. Uh, I think it's really interesting as well, like narratively how. You have Paul Dano as like this priest, but it's not really that interested in like moralizing his character against um against Daniel Plainview. Like both of the both of those characters are presented as kind of awful in mm-hmm. their own way. And it's it's this 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 really interesting um character study of a priest and an oil man um yeah. encountering each other at various points in their lives That's and amazing. without really kind of like taking a moral side in in the debate. Uh, yeah, until and, the very end. <laughs> I won't yeah. spoil what happens, but exactly, yeah. And like, you know, it's it's an interesting setup to the film because it's like he's he's going to try and find land to drill oil on. So the whole the whole idea of him being an oil man, he needs to swindle people, and he yeah. needs to like sort of like you know convince them that their their land is is worthless. <laughs> he's buying Even land though, for quails. Yeah, he's buying land for quails so that he gets it really cheap, and that yeah. because he wants a place to go and shoot quails with his son, uh, and then. He then then he gets uh and then he he gets it drills the oil and the family is all over the place. But uh, that's it's it's a great film. Like it's and I don't, don't is, have much yeah. more to say. What about you? What's your uh, number four? Um, so I don't think. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think you've actually seen this one. Um, I don't think many people have in the, in the grand scheme of things. But that's uh, 1997's Perfect Blue, which is an anime uh, directed by uh, the now deceased uh, Satoshi Kon. An anime, um, no, an animation, a <laughs> Japan animation. Um, I don't know if that's a problematic term anymore. I apologise if it is. <laughs> like that's what I mean, it's the name when, of a country. When when anime came to like the UK in the 90s, when I would literally just buy up every VHS uh, that 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 came to this country, no matter whether it was like borderline hentai or you know like <laughs> fist of the north star or whatever, because literally you just had to buy whatever you they said borderline over. hentai and then said the word fist, and I didn't know what you were going to say. <laughs> yeah, like, this is this is this is my anime section, all right. You're not allowed to talk. Um, but yeah, like I would just buy everything, and like a lot of it was trash. Um, that I still have a very big soft spot for, hence yeah. my 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 fan uh, fandom of terrible voice acting. Um, but this is one of them, and it is like I remember seeing a um, seeing a uh, critics quote for this that said it's like Walt Disney and Alfred Hitchcock uh, made a movie, and it is amazing. I can't I can't recommend it enough to anyone. It's basically about a, a, a Japanese pop idol who decides she's going to become an actress instead, and it's this like examination of identity and her changing identity. And it, there's essentially like this kind of murder mystery going on where someone is killing the people uh, who are wronging her or like ha- that, that this person perceives to be wronging her. Um, 
and she doesn't know what's going on she doesn't know what's real anymore because she's like losing a sense of self and it's like underpinned by these like amazing j-pop uh tracks from i can't remember the name of the person uh masahiro akumi is the name of the the person who did the score but it's well worth checking out um i won't spend too long on it because obviously um as he hasn't seen it but if you're in the mood for something that is really really um a lot of satoshi Kon stuff you've seen paprika haven't you yeah, I've seen a lot of the uh, Ghibli stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm, it's a, what's, sorry, what's, what's the really... Like, this is one I need to watch. Is it Akira? It's really... Akira, yeah. Is, is it like, like, in the 80s? Uh, it might have been 89. But yeah, that was like really seminal for yes. sort of developing like the cyberpunk aesthetic. Yeah, so um, I haven't seen that, but I've I've heard it's very good. Uh, so that's, I've, I've seen sort of the Disney... Uh, Ghibli stuff, you know, like the, the stuff. I mean, the Ghibli stuff's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing, but I mean, like that's like the Disney of Japan. Um, in, in but it's still, you know, you know, I, I am a Disney, I'm a Disney file too. So, oh, but, yeah, but yeah. at the same, but at the same time, uh, that's all. I haven't really ventured out of that, you know, cut, cut like anime, TV shows, and Ghibli. That's all I've really and seen. Ghibli. Well, I mean, you know, that's unless you really go looking for it, it is quite hard to find that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. but I mean, yeah, Satoshi Kon did a movie like he his stuff like ranges from he made a movie called Paprika, which is like almost surrealist. Like it's very hard to follow the narrative, which isn't really my kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a lot more structured. But if you're in the mood for like a a kind of murder mystery with a great soundtrack and uh some some amazing editing, uh, Perfect Blue is the is the movie for you. Um, I mean, murder mystery sells me on it. To be honest with you, um, yeah, it's very good. I have to show it to you. Or what was the name of the Ghibli anime that we went to see in? Uh, oh, The Wind Rises. The Wind Rises. Oh, that, I yeah. really like that film. The, it what, was, was yeah, it? the Prince Charles movie. Theater in London. We went to. It was, yeah, yeah like, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's about the guy who who makes the zero uh, aircraft for uh, Japan in World War Two, which is like classic Ghibli or classic Hayao Miyazaki, where it's like really, it's presented in this really kind of like fluffy, nice way, idyllic way, yeah. But yeah, I did exactly idyllic is the word, but it, but it's. Um, it's about this guy who makes fighter planes for, for the <laughs> Japanese during World War Two, uh, and and obviously, as is the case with every one of his movies, there's an implied. Oh, in fact, actually, it's not implied, but um, that there's a, a significant character who's like dying in it because all mm-hmm. of his movies have to have some have to have some heartbreak and tragedy. Them. Yep. Um, but yeah, so there we go. Those are our fourth spots. I, I think it's only fair, given uh, you haven't seen um, Perfect Blue, for us to say that Perfect Blue is, it comes in at number number eight, and uh, There Will Be Blood comes in at number at number seven here. I think that's really good. I I, I would agree. I would agree with that um, because I need There Will Be Blood to be as high as possible. Some of the <laughs> yeah. some of the films that I'm having on here later, I know there's going to be people in the comments, uh, hopefully, really agreeing with me. But uh, but I but I I'm, I feel like I have to justify it's you know, I just I have to justify the objective opinion. Uh, yeah. So yeah, okay. So I'm we happy to, with it's, that. It's, we're showing our working. It's we're, like you know a maths exam. Like you can't just put the answer. Yeah. We have to show our working as to how we arrived at these. Let me just say, if I win the coin toss for one and two, the memes are going to be had. Right. If, if 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 you win the coin toss for the 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 best movie of all time, this podcast is over. Like we might as well pack our bags. <laughs> If what? Well, that's assuming I know what your your number one is, which I'm uh, pretty sure I do. You know, <laughs> the listeners, okay. the keen eyed listeners who've been there from the start of the yeah. After Dark podcast will know too. They know. OGs know that <laughs> yeah. where, where we're going with this. Um, okay, so what is, what is your number three, uh, or your, yeah, your third movie, Anthony? Uh, my third movie that I'm going to put in is going to be uh, the Last Black Man in San Francisco, which mm. is uh, 
you know, it's a it's a, it's a low budget like sort of independent film that was released in 2019. Uh, my wife and I uh, got a Omni Pass, which is basically the, the the cinema chain in Ireland is called Omniplex, and if you and, and for like 13 quid a month or something, you can uh, go to see as many films as you want, but each film you can only see once. So we uh, when we only had one child, we uh, we would like pawn him off on someone. <laughs> and 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 go and go to the cinema as much as we could. We, I think, for like a couple of months in a row, we went to the cinema like three times a week, which was um, oh, unbelievable. Um, it's heaven. Like you know, that's just, that's what we like to do. On my birthday that same year, actually, uh, we went to the cinema. We went to uh, this year actually, just before um, lockdown. So um, the cinema, we went to the cinema four times on my birthday. That was Christ. my that, that was my birthday treat. Uh, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, we went we went to see uh, Bombshell uh 1917 is that what it's called oh yeah the um the chris vanilla movie yeah jojo rabbit we saw as well um and there was one other one which i can't remember but anyway it was it was a really good day um but yeah so uh last black man in san francisco it uh stars jimmy fails it's directed by joe talbot now this is really interesting about this uh film this uh it was written by joe talbot and and joe talbot and jimmy fails sorry but joe talbot this is his first ever directed film like his first film he's directed okay jimmy fails is like his one of his is like his best mate um uh who as the title would say he's a black man in san francisco and uh they all they come from san francisco and this film is really like a love story to san francisco in a way but it's also a strange pseudo based on jimmy fails real life because his name is jimmy fails in the in the film and that's his real name and and the the storyline is sort of semi based on his life. So basically, I'm not gonna again. It's just like a bit like uh, Perfect Blue. Not many people will have seen this film. Um, I would highly recommend going and see uh, going and seeing it wherever you can get a chance to see this. Mm. But uh, but I'll just sort of mention what it's about, and then we can move on from it because yeah, I I just wanted to include it because it just it affected me and my wife Emma so so much. Like we just love this film. It's it's about a guy called Jimmy Fails who, um, has been told his whole life that uh well his, his family had a had a house a really high quality like sort of in a nice neighborhood house um in san francisco and it was in a time where sort of certain areas of the city were getting gentrified and sort of it was growing and, and like eventually over time like the, the the black community got moved out of the city into sort of more sub- suburban more uh, you know different communities than they were living in and is this, and, is this present day present day it's set yeah, yeah okay. and so they live in a world where the the old communities where they would have their parents would have grown up and things um were 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 gentrified and he longs to be for his family to get back that house okay. so he actually it's really interesting the way they settle up so he actually goes back to the house the white family that lives in there he'll go he'll go back to the house and he'll like paint the windowsills and he'll take he'll do the gardening because he's trying to keep the house looking really nice because in his mind this house will be his you know it's yeah. his family's house his grandfather built it and and one day it will be his um so that's that's sort of the setup and he and and like the, the obviously the, the the family who lives there don't like him doing that and there's a whole tension there and stuff yeah but uh but i i, I just wanted to mention a, an actor called jonathan majors he's like the, the sort of the co-star you would say plays montgomery yeah. allen and he plays a really sort of i don't know what you would call him he's 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 a real sort of singular person what do you call someone who's like sort of their own person and he's not uh he doesn't he doesn't mix with the crowd so to speak uh he's uh, a, t- a tall poppy i believe is the, <laughs> okay, the expression okay. a tall poppy <laughs> well he's he's very poetic he's very he's an artist basically and okay. he 
I, I'm not going to mention much more, but just keep, watch his performance because he's he's continually mm. like sort of breaking into poem to people. Like they come oh, they, nice. they come to him and then he'll break into a poem. They've got really awesome moments in in the storyline uh, where like the as you said earlier with the film, the the score is really sort of as if it was like made first and the film was made around it. Yeah. Um, so and it all sort of comes to a head. I'm not going to obviously give any spoilers, but there's, there's <laughs> this character Montgomery Allen writes a play. And uh, okay. and they put the play on, and it's really emotional and really amazing, and I just love it. Anyway, that's the film. Uh, that sounds really good. Yeah, I, I I like the idea of um. You say it's it's more of a drama, like not really a comedy. It's not really a comedy. It's 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 like any film. There'll be moments for a little bit of a grin, but I don't think it's it's yeah. a, it's a drama. It's a drama. No, I like. I mean, I like the idea of kind of like delivering metaphor for you know the gentrification of San Francisco through you know an individual longing to return to their their familial home that's that sounds really cool and yeah. I, ha- I have scrolled past that several times on um it's on sky at the moment oh, and i've had a look at it and i was like oh i should watch that and um and then you mentioned it to me and so now i will definitely watch that movie oh, at some yeah, point in the near future it's really good really good very good okay we, we well watch joe talbot's career with great interest yeah yeah do you say that's the first movie that, that he's directed mm-hmm Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, so it's always always cool when someone gets a gets a strong directorial debut. It's it sort of spells uh, it spells promising things. Like Ema for... and I were so like we 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 were waiting. I know like I know independent films don't usually get nominated for Oscars and things, but Ema and I were convinced how good this film is that we were going to see something. Like we were going to see some nomination for it somewhere. <laughs> no, I had to go to Green Book. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Yeah, to go, yeah give, it, to to give it to Green Book. That great movie that everyone loved, and it was a great nomination. Oh, this is sarcasm, by the way. Um, <laughs> Haven't seen okay. it. You wouldn't recommend it then? No, no. It's like basically, if you, if you, um, what all the all the stuff that you just said about the last Black Man in San Francisco, where it sounds like the writing is is um, quite kind of grounded, and the characters are really really well realized. If you take all of that and just reverse it, then you have Green Book. <laughs> it's right, just okay. like, hey, watch two characters fix racism. It's like, okay, great. Not be watching that then. Yeah. Um, so my number three is probably uh, both tonally and stylistically on the other end of the spectrum to yours, uh, and that is 1982's Blade Runner, um, which is um, one of the one of two Ridley Scott movies that are in my my top five. Um, I think mm, a lot of people have seen this movie. If you haven't, it's about a guy uh, played by Harrison Ford called Deckard, who is uh, basically a hired contract killer for the police force, whose job is to track down uh, escaped replicants which are like androids and kill them um because in the the far-flung future of i'm trying to remember what year blade runner is set in i think it's like 2040 yeah it's not that far in the future yeah so we've not got long (laughs) to get here but um but yeah there are there are replicants that do a lot of uh, manual labor or you know uh, sex work and um sometimes they yearn for freedom um and I think have you seen Blade Runner? I can't remember. Uh yes, I will. I I think I watched it on your recommendation. I haven't watched okay. the second one yet. Um which That's also very good. Apparently it's very, very good. But in my mind, like the second one isn't like it's not necessary viewing, uh in terms of for Blade Runner fans. Like it, yeah, no, it's it's Blade not. Runner is Blade Runner. I think the second one is I, I'm looking forward to watching it, but I think when you make a uh, a sequel so far later after you after you made the original and it's a different director and it's all different I don't really view it as a real sequel, and I haven't. No, actually, yeah. I haven't seen it yet, and I'm sure it's great. But in my mind, it's like, yeah, but the Blade Runner was what it was. Uh, Blade think... Blade Runner is what it was, and the other thing is like a cool, you know, almost fan made thing that we can. The the, enjoy. the the weakest parts of the sequel are the bits that tie it back 
to the original Blade Runner, I think. Um, but it's more, and, and, and this is true of the, the original as well, um, it's more just like how they realise this kind of cyberpunk setting, these like mm-hmm. kind of swooping shots of a, this kind of uh, hazy skyline just full of um, pollution and these uh, like hollow vid ads scrolling along uh, against the skyline with like Atari and stuff advertised. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's amazing to see. Um, it's, it's one of those things where I think when I first watched it, I was probably... I was probably 16 or something. I didn't really appreciate it because um, it, it it didn't it didn't look dated then. I, I, there are bits of it that have dated fairly poorly, but it's mm-hmm. it's more just um, when you have been exposed to the stuff that was influenced by this movie first, it's easy to not realise how important um, the aesthetic of Blade Runner is. But it is like absolutely both it, visually, it's amazing. The Vangelis score is uh, awesome, particularly for someone like me who likes cyberpunk um, mm-hmm. or like synthwave rather. Uh, I like cyberpunk as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the performances of um, Harrison Ford and Rutger Hauer are great. Uh, I think um, even if you haven't seen Blade Runner, I think most people know like of Rutger Hauer's monologue at the end of the film with the you know all those uh, memories will be lost like tears in the rain, time to die. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's just absolutely amazing this movie, and I think it gets better every time you watch it as well. Um, I, yeah, I don't. The I think the problem with Blade Runner is people gush over it so much that like when people go to watch it, it's like they're disappointed by it because it's a bit of a slow burn yeah no yeah but so i i even love like the in the models of the city they make so like yeah. the way the way like the, the camera goes through this very to us these days it's very obviously a miniature uh but it, but yeah. it just adds to it and it, it sort of really puts you in the world yeah absolutely great choice yeah um, the world building is amazing I, I know we are sort of flip-flopping here each time and it's not we didn't intend this but i'm happy for blade <laughs> runner to go in at what would it be uh that'd be uh that would be f- oh hold five. on five no, no. Eight and seven, six and five. Yeah, Blade Runner would be five, and um, and the Last Black Man in San Francisco would be number six. Yeah, I'm happy with that. Oh, there we go. Let's see, this is how you debate or talk about movies. You just objectively arrive at an arbitrary place within a list. And As I say, these these, info, these ideas have just been pumped into our brains. We, we haven't <laughs> yeah. we haven't chosen these ideas. You know, <laughs> Happy Gilmore is the tenth best film ever made. Uh, yeah. That's just you simply just, can't argue with it. Yeah, <laughs> that's just how it goes. Right. Okay. So th- now we're at the we're at the number two uh, slot. Um, so number for two for us. us. Number three, four for our. Yeah. Number four list. and three. For, yeah. Okay. So this is going to be controversial. Um, and I know. I already know what this is. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm putting the Back to the Future trilogy as my number two. Gotta be. Gotta Even be three. I t- uh, actually, I say even three. I haven't seen three for a long time. I remember it being not as good as the first two. What? That's I, as I say, I haven't seen it for about probably about fifteen years at least. So I what, remember it not being as as good as. How old were you when you first saw the third Back to the Future? I was probably I was probably about fifteen, sixteen. So, so you you left your cowboy days, like you'd left you yeah. left the days where you longed to be a cowboy. That yeah, explains. Like I was watching it cynically. Explains a lot. That explains a lot. You were watching it cynically. You were watching it thinking, Jesus, they didn't have to make a third one. Like, but <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, unbelievable. Back to the Future. I think people who follow this channel know how much I love time travel stuff. Yeah, and I just got I got to give it to the OG in my life. Back to the Future. This is my I, I no word of a lie, right? My brother and me watched this film. No, sorry, all three of these films. Yeah. Uh, back to back for about seven months. Every day <laughs> we'd watch at least one of them. Every nice. day we'd watch at least one of them. And there was even uh, there was even some days like after school we get home we'd watch two. 
on the weekends we'd watch watch all three like that's it's honestly we watched it so much i mean they're, they're great movies they the are second great one movies. i've seen the least because our disc was broken oh that's harsh so we'd that's always a, get to like... a certain point and then like turn the disc off go back in and then skip like half an hour forwards so, so that we can make sure we missed this missed the jump yeah i i um i didn't realize when i when, when you told me about this i, I when i looked it up because i knew robert zemeckis directed the first one i didn't realize he directed the other two as well um well realized he, he, he was well. For, there was like a ten-year stretch there where Robert Zemeckis, between like 1985 when the first one came out and like 1995, he was just churning out absolute bangers of movies. Like so, he, he got all, yeah, he got cast. The cast was a bit later, but Who Framed yeah. Roger Rabbit was in there. Forrest Gump is in there. Uh, all three Back to the Future movies. You know, and I think most people would say Back to the Future one is you know one of one of the best movies ever made. Certainly within the kind of like action adventure genre. Oh, yeah. Like it's 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 almost there's a movie i'm going to talk about a bit later when um we get into the get into the concept of like a quote-unquote perfect movie and what that actually means um and i think you judge each movie's standard of perfection against what it's actually trying to achieve Mm -hmm. um and i think back to the future one is pretty much a perfect movie for for that kind of like fun action adventure thing it's going for like Mm -hmm. I, i don't think there's a bad scene in that movie um Oh, and, so and the second one as well. The second one's really good too. But I've, I've talked about before, like how successful the movie is at making me feel nostalgia for the fifties when I've never lived yeah. there. You know, yeah, it, no, it, it almost it, made me want to vote leave. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to leave that. I'm not going to. I'm not going to say anything about that. There'll be no politics on this show. There's no politics in art. All right. Of course there isn't. <laughs> but I know what you mean. Like that. That, that sort of. Um, that that nostalgia for the 50s it's sort of like when you look at um like greece did a similar kind of thing where there was a lot of that uh, greece was in the late 70s but there was that um i think it was late 70s it might have been very early 80s greece um but it was the same kind of thing where it's like this this nostalgia for the 50s and they both did a good job of realizing it but i think back to the futures is is a lot more charming than mm-hmm. greece's um I say that as someone who hasn't seen Greece for quite a while, so I don't want to like dunk on a movie Greece that I don't remember that well. It's I like Greece too, to be honest with you. I I remember liking it. Yeah, it's it, it is good. Um, but yeah, Robert Zemeckis had a great run. Like I, you can't not mention yeah. Forrest Gump. Like Forrest Gump was close oh. to getting into my top five, to be honest. With you. I, I it's, it's interesting with Forrest Gump, and and actually, to be honest, I feel like the worm has turned slightly on Tom Hanks's stretch there of dramatic movies. So you had like. As as, you, as we said, like Castaway, Forrest Gump, uh, you had like Road to Perdition, um, The Green Mile, mm-hmm. and there's another one that I'm missing. I guess The Terminal you could put in there. Um, Philadelphia. Ha- oh, Philadelphia, yeah. So uh, that was a little bit earlier, but he had like this string of um, performances as a lead actor, which were all like really, really strong, and he got a lot of Oscar buzz. I'm, I'm sure he must have won. He won two Oscars in a row. Did he was that for Forrest Gump and then Philadelphia um, Forrest Gump Philadelphia yeah, um, but I feel like the the worm has turned slightly on those movies now and they're not really talked about in in lists of you know really really great movies and I think Forrest Gump Forrest Gump absolutely is like I, I think Forrest Gump's a great movie. I I love I love the genre of like just going through someone's whole life like I yeah. I, I think obviously we don't go through his whole life but I mean for most of it we do I I like what would you call that like a biopic. Yeah. Yeah, like a fictional biopic. I fictional would biopic. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I love that. I love that genre. To be honest with you, yeah. um, in, in fact, uh, uh, one of my favorite of that genre is obviously a bit more out of the box, but it, it would be uh, uh, the Tim Burton film with you. Oh, Big Gra- Fish. Big Fish. Yeah, Big yeah. Fish would be one of my favorites of that genre because it, it, 
yeah sorry sorry go on but it's so out of the box it's not the same as Forrest Forrest Gump's very like sort of grounded and realistic to a certain extent like he can still run yeah. 100 miles an hour but uh, yeah and uh, you know how much I love the, the film Forrest Gump because as I mentioned <laughs> on the podcast before I named my second child Forrest so. yeah absolutely but I, I mean talking about um, historical biopics I think it, it's really interesting as a genre but it's not actually that common I, I can't think of that many others but I, I think they stand aside from regular biopics um, because or, or, or biopics based on real people because i think a lot of the time when people make biopics about actual people who lived the intention is either to basically say look how wonderful this person was and present like a really kind yeah. of bland let's just celebrate the life of ray charles or whatever and it, and then they hope that the music is often on musicians they hope that catchy music is enough to carry you through to the end yeah. um and those kind of movies can be really boring um Whereas with a fictional one, something like Forrest Gump, really, I mean, it is about his life, but more what, what, what Forrest Gump is actually about is about seeing various snapshots of American life through the eyes of Forrest Gump as oh, yeah. he as he as he goes through his life, and that's really interesting. And Big Fish is a a bit like that as well, although, although it's more just meeting weird people rather than a sort of chronology of American Spectre. life through um, yeah 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 through no, fifty I agree. years. But I agree, yeah, Robert yeah. Zemeckis is amazing. Like he he was he I, I don't I don't actually know. I think he did uh, Welcome to Marwin recently, uh, which is the yeah. um, Steve Carell movie. Well, well he's, also, uh, he's also got a film coming out. Um, he's doing Pinocchio. Oh, shit. Is he? Yeah. Mm. I th- but I thought, like, Pinocchio was originally, I thought, going to be Guillermo del Toro. Maybe there's two, yeah. of, maybe two of them are coming out. He think he's doing the, the Disney remake, but I think Guillermo del Toro is doing like his own version of Pinocchio somehow. I yeah, his will be like a creature feature, as is traditional yeah. for Guillermo del Toro. I, I will say, while we're just on, I'm on biopics though, um, it's interesting. Before we move on from uh, from this, uh, my my favorite musician is one of my favorite musicians is a guy called Johnny Flynn, who I've you've heard, but uh, yeah, I've seen him live multiple times, met him, and everything. He's he's a fantastic fellow, but his acting career has taken off now because he's always been a stage actor and he's not going into film now. And he's recently uh, recently released, which I haven't seen. I don't even know if it was in the cinemas over here, but I'm going to get the DVD when it comes out. He was in um, Stardust, which is a early biopic of David Bowie, and he stars yes. as David Bowie. Now, every review I've re- read of it says he was amazing in it, but the issue was is that they didn't get any licensing for the songs. Yeah. So there yeah. was no original David Bowie songs. And, when, and that's exactly to your point. If you don't have the songs or if they're not used correctly for a musical bio- biopic, it sort of really taints the film. Yeah, it does. And and I think from what I've heard of that, that it is very much of that sort of biopic style where it's like, oh, look how amazing this person's life was, which is a bit kind of saccharine on its own. But then when you don't even have the music to really like kind of lean into that, oh, look how amazing this person is, it's kind of, it's it's a bit kind of milk toast and that doesn't really achieve anything. Actually, while we're on it, did you know Sasha, Bar- <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen was going to play Freddie Mercury? And he he pulled he was in the he was in like the production yeah. he was in the, he was attached to the production and a producer of it for like like years right yeah. and finally he pulled out of the project because um the the band uh, Queen didn't want to actually portray uh the you know Freddie Mercury's life realistically well yeah. to the lengths that uh that Sasha Brown Cohen wanted now everyone everyone I've talked I've, I've not seen the film to be quite honest here because I don't support yeah. Brian Singer but um so uh basically the reason why um the, the reason why uh pe- people are saying that they love it and I tell them that and they're like but there, there is it shows really harsh stuff but these are like real like sort of middle-aged conservative people who are probably thinking yeah he's gay you know whereas uh <laughs> whereas I'm I'm like Sasha Brown Cohen says like literally he would have parties 
where you know he would have like little people i don't know what the correct term is but you know little people people with dwarfism walking yeah. around like this is how horrendous it was Walk- yeah, yeah. freddie Mercury would have them walking around and he would be sniffing cocaine off their head yeah they had like they had like platters yeah. uh, of cocaine strapped to their heads like that uh, is yeah they don't show that they're not gonna movie. put that in the film <laughs> no. uh so you know i just yeah, thought that was an like, interesting thing to say yeah no i think um yeah, that, that that's a classic example of a bad biopic. Um, and also, actually, <laughs> we are way off topic here. But mentioning yeah. Johnny Flynn, uh, you should see Emma if you haven't. He's I've very seen good it. In I that. saw it in the cinema oh, with my Omnipass. It I is it amazing. I went to yeah, see. I went to see it with movie. my mom actually. And people who uh, watch Dark Discussions know my mom. And she the whole time she was just like, "Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> scandalous period piece." Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, but uh, but yeah, Back to the Future is an amazing trilogy. I, th- I think we don't need to say too much about it because everyone knows Back to the Future. Everyone knows why I love it. I think every, everyone who likes Back, Back to the Future, Future loves it for the same reason. If you haven't seen it, go and watch it. They're all very good movies. Maybe yeah. not the third one. We'll see about the third one. <laughs> the third one? It's an objective right. list. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's a fair point. The, the, the numbers don't lie. The maths has, has put this where it where it sits. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, okay. Well, so... This is slightly before Back to the Future, but only just, um, and totally, again, a bit different. Um, my, my number two is uh, John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982. Um, one of the best horror movies ever made. Uh, some of the best practical effects ever put on screen. Hasn't aged a day. Ennio Morricone did the theme, like, and he's doing his best job. Like, so that's a guy who did like the the you know a lot of spaghetti westerns. I mean, he did loads of stuff, but um, he's probably most famous for the the good, the bad, and the ugly uh, theme. But he, you know, he did loads of stuff. It's just the thing is amazing. It's so goddamn good. It's so tense. Kurt Russell's great. Uh, I, I think you you haven't seen this one, have you? No, you've been telling me to watch it for years. <laughs> it's, I mean, you have to be okay with like gore. And some jump scares, oh, like John Carpenter. Yeah, but it, it's it's just it's one of the best horror movies ever made. I I kind of I I love horror movies, um, and um, yeah, the thing is is right up there for for me in terms of in terms of um, ba- like any that have ever been made. In fact, my top both of my top two are horror movies. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah the horror is a genre that I'm not fully au fait with but it's also a genre that i wouldn't choose to watch too often when i do yeah. when i do dip into it i love it um like i i, I absolutely loved uh the witch uh robert yeah, eggers film from the last the, the, the few Vitch. years uh the witch the witch yeah. Uh, yeah i also like um i watched also his next one the lighthouse i don't know if you yeah. call that a horror more of a no, sort it's of surrealist a, thriller yeah but um, it has horror elements but yeah it's not it's not scary yeah I'd say. so I, I you know and I'm looking forward to his next one, The Northman, which is a Viking tale. But uh, basically, uh, horror isn't a genre that I would seek out, if I'm quite honest with you. Um, yeah. Although, I recently watched Halloween for the first time, and uh, I felt that that was dated quite a bit. But at the same time, yeah. I enjoyed That's it. That's John Carpenter as well. Like, I, yeah. I, um, I think I know what you mean with that. Like, I think it, it, that's another one of those movies where you have to look at, like, what had come before it which is to say basically like you had like psycho and then you, well, you had giallo which is like eight um italian like uh whodunit murder mystery mm-hmm. movies and slashes they um before that you had psycho then you had black christmas and then you had halloween so they like invented a genre basically yeah um, i also watched children of the corn around the same time uh and i will say <laughs> halloween was better than children of the corn but good. my god yeah. children of the corn is hilarious 
Children of the Corn is a shitty movie. I hate those <laughs> movies so much. It's just and like the the terrible uh, special effects they use at the end when like the one who walks among the rows is like coming out of the corn to try and stop them from burning the field. And it's just like it's dated. That no one dies in that goddamn movie either. Like I watched um oh, I, at the I, very I mean, start I'm... they kill a whole diner full of people. Yeah, I mean, there's that. But then for the rest of the movie, it's just like, no one's dying ever in this goddamn movie. It's supposed to be a horror film. And, I, you know, I don't need people, I don't need blood and guts and people to die. But, like, when it's when when you have nothing else to hang your hat on, you need to be killing people in interesting ways. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, but, um, I, I agree with that. But, um, yeah, I mean, John Carpenter, I, 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 I sort of go hot and cold a bit with horror. Like, I love some kinds of horror, particularly, like, 80s horror. I don't like a lot of modern... Uh, like jump scare fest just because insidious make me, it, uh, yeah like insidious i don't really like because it, it, it'll make me jump but i'm like i'm not actually really scared or like invested in this yeah. in any way um so paranormal go, activity par- paranormal activity was okay like the first the first one was was scary um it kind of i felt like it kind of had its had its one thing that it did quite well yeah and they 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 absolutely plumbed that one thing for and they kind like, of they minutes. kind of invented a genre too like uh, a new yeah. genre of horror, like that's 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 been used a number of times now as well. Yeah, I mean they they took the like the Blair Witch Project kind of found footage thing and mm-hmm. and developed it. Um, yeah, yeah, which I think was was admirable. But um, yeah, I mean the thing is just if you love um like pra- want to see like amazing practical effects of like gross aliens, um like basically it's it's about like this um Antarctic research crew who come into contact with an alien that can mimic whatever it comes into contact with mm-hmm. um and it's 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 is in a, a way that a lot of the best um best horror movies are it's not actually really about the monster it's about like the human drama that's going yeah. on in the research station as these people um stop trusting one another and slowly descend into madness uh, and it's amazing um okay, but yeah so we, we have to we have to decide which one is going where in this in in our list now well i i'm very secure <laughs> very secure in myself um I think yours is. Go- I think Blade, uh, not Blade Runner. I think uh, Back to the Future is. Uh, I. It's a, a, tr- a trilogy that you love so much that I think it has to go in at number two. I'm wow. happy to have. I'm happy well, to number, have number three. Uh, number three. Sorry, rather not number three for we uh, for uh, Back to the Future. <laughs> you almost showed your hand there. Oh, don't worry. They know what's coming. <laughs> they know what's coming. Okay, so it's official. Uh, number four is John Carpenter's The Thing. Number three is the entire Back to the Future trilogy. <laughs> and thank you for not kicking up a fuss about the fact there's three going in. I mean, let's oh, be honest. Fine. It was a pre-planned. Uh... <laughs> we, we, don't, we don't make the rules. We're simply vessels for this. For this, you know, we deliver this to you. Well, I will say the Back to the Future sort of set the precedent for. Uh... Uh, a style of filmmaking which was done in Pirates of the Caribbean later, where you made the first one, it was really good, and then the second and third you write as like you write them and they lead into each other. Like that's that that's what they did, and like they did the same in Pirates of the Caribbean too. Like the first one, they were like, oh my god, this actually really worked. Right, let's yeah. write two more. Then um, they make it into a trilogy. Yeah, but yeah, I'm really happy with that. Thank you very much. Not a problem. Uh, you give right. your, you give your one first. Okay, and then we'll go on to mine after because mine is like okay. let's be honest, mine is the objective best film of all time. Yeah, yeah. no we one can't that. get around that. Um, okay, so my my number one, uh, talking about movies that I think are as close to perfect as possible. Um, my number one is 1979's Alien. Uh, it's the second Ridley Scott movie on my list. Um, 
I think this just movie just achieves everything that it sets out to do, uh, and and it's incredibly ambitious in what it's trying to do. Um, the the only parts of it that have aged poorly, I think, are a couple of shots of the alien of the of the xenomorph um, when it's shown in full body right at the end, and also in the scene with Dallas, the captain, in the vents. Um, but in terms of tension, set design, um, Jerry Goldsmith's score, which isn't actually used very much, but when it's there, it's amazing the photography like the planetary vistas which are all models it's just it is a beautiful film to look at um it's it's like Sigourney Weaver's performance and, and John Hurt, Ian Holm, Harry Dean Stanton like it's got a superstar cast it's just I, I could watch this movie at any time of day um just whenever and I will just gush over it um every time I see it um I I really like the film too I'm gonna be honest uh, <laughs> I Ian Holm's Bilbo Baggins isn't he Jeez, yes he is what a legend yeah yeah uh yeah, yeah but but uh no it's really great and what one thing i love about this film like i think which is really strange i think a lot of screenwriters um don't know how to write female characters you know yeah um i mean there's a thing called a bestel test for a reason yeah. where like two character two female characters have to have names and they have to talk to each other about something that isn't a man yeah uh, that's that's the test and you would be surprised how many films fail that test oh um, yeah yeah but and i don't know maybe alien fails that test actually but it doesn't need to pass it because the fact of the matter is Ripley is such a fantastic character. And like, I, what I really love about it is now I think now you might be able to correct me a little bit of my inaccuracies in this, but I, but I think when uh, they originally wrote the script, Ripley was a male character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ripley started off as a man. Yeah. And that's, that's, I'm not saying that's the way to write females, just write them as a man, but I'm, but I'm saying that's one way maybe to, if you know, some writers obviously have a block because if uh, let's be honest, we know the world we live in, a lot of writers who get successful are men. Uh, yep. For one yeah. reason or another, you know, no fault of their own. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fault of the, you know, that's just, it's just, it's the way that this society has been formed, uh, yeah. you know, and hopefully it's slowly changing. But at the same time, uh, that's how it is. And these men, a lot of them don't know how to write women. Uh, yeah. George R. R. Martin has a great quote. He, uh, they said, how do you write such compelling and like deep women? And he's like, the thing is, I always you know pictured women as you know human beings <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the, that's the start see that's that is the point though i think with a lot of this and you know talking about the bechdel test it's not infallible you know i think uh, some people refer to it as like the be all and end all of criticism like if something yeah, passes yeah. or fails the bechdel test it is therefore good but i think it's really and that's not true but it is yeah. really useful as just a benchmark for saying like there aren't enough like female characters talking to each other in this movie and 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 one of the great things about alien is i actually don't know now that i think about it if it does pass the test it might do because ripley and um and uh, i can't remember veronica cartwright's character's name um but Don't they, they <laughs> yeah i know um but they uh they have several conversations where they're very bitchy to each other but the, the realization of um ripley as a character it's interesting that she did kind of start as a man because she's quite in the first movie she's quite gender neutral i think um she is it's not until aliens when they introduce newts and kind of bring up the more like maternal elements of a ripley's character that she really starts being fleshed out as a woman i think but it doesn't matter to me that you know she's maybe um she's not the most feminine of women she, like mm. to, to me ellen ripley is just a badass character yeah um who 
you know, the the way her character is built throughout this movie is so genius. You know, she starts off as a kind of supporting character that a lot of people wouldn't really expect to be the the quote unquote final girl um, in horror terms, and then by the end of it, you know, the way she's like sweat covered, running through the the innards of the Nostromo with like these yellow lights flashing behind her, the close ups on her eyes as uh, like as she's like kind of climbing uh, over bulkheads. It's just. the movie brings you into her story in such a compelling way and i i love it so much yeah it's just it's unbelievable i i i really like it um would you so you prefer the ridley scott horror alien to the james cameron action adventure alien alien uh i I think aliens yeah no i've gone back and forth on it i think aliens is a more fun movie mm-hmm. um if i was just wanting to chuck something on with friends um to, to have a really good time i might put aliens on because i think alien is a kind of movie that rewards you really paying attention to it and like sort mm-hmm. of soaking in the the beauty of the photography and the score um but i think alien is a is a better movie um okay. it's, it's similar to what we were saying you know earlier about like kind of happy gilmore and that kind of stuff you know a- aliens is is something i've probably watched more uh, but if someone asked me to kind of pin down which one is the better movie, I'd say Alien. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Well, you know, we're on to mine now. Um, <laughs> I will just say, ever since I've seen this, so ever since I saw this film back in 2011, 2012, uh, that was, you know, very, I think Conrad, Conrad and I met each other in 2013. Yeah, and I, right. very soon after I showed him this film, um, and, you know, he said it was the best film he's ever seen. Uh, yeah. Just a, just a blockbuster. Yeah. Um, I this this film speaks to me at a visceral level, uh, and I'll I'll unpack that a bit in a minute. But mm. ever since I've seen this film, every film I watch, I compare to this, uh, and that film is, of course, We Bought a Zoo. It had to be. It had to be. <laughs> we Bought a Zoo, in my opinion, is the perfect film. For all 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 genres, all yeah. you know, there's a bit of there's a bit of there's all a bit ages, of, a bit of horror in there. You know, the animal, like the, the lion, <laughs> that that is very ten- tension filled. You know, um, yeah. but no, uh, the Bought a Zoo for me is just the perfect family film. Uh, it has a real great um, emotional warmth to it. Yeah, it's uh, got some heart. It's got some heart. It's, it's full of heart. Um, the, the child actors that they have are really good. The, yeah. the little girl is cute as hell. Scarlett Johansson gives gives a good performance. Matt Damon yeah. does. As and this is one thing. If I'm going to sit down and watch a film, just at any point, want to watch a film. One thing that I sort of need to have in a film that I don't have to be in a mood for, it needs to have what I call the wee border zoo factor, right? <laughs> <laughs> because what I mean is, it's it's the emotional heart of the film, but but I also mean literally just like the cinematography and the setting is really yeah. bright and vibrant and it's like escapism to me it's like you know how you watch people just build a house from scratch on youtube just for fun right i do anyway so uh, like yeah i've never done that but okay okay, okay. well <laughs> you can do it because it's really good like just watching people living maybe yeah maybe that's who, what i've been missing yeah like people who just make a whole channel about their life in the in the mountains of montana or whatever I okay watch, nice. I watch stuff like that right because to me this we would do is like escapism like if i won the lottery 100 percent I would go out and just move and have a, have a huge bit of land in the countryside with a big house. And that's yeah. uh, just so good. As, as well as that, like the the storyline of like the mother passing away, like, you know, my, my father passed yeah. away in 2009 and I'm, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not, I, you know, this is all, this is a bit of a meme, but at the same time, the film does speak to me in a huge way for that reason. Yeah, I, th- yeah, I think yeah. they, they handle a passing parent and passing spouse in with real care and fragility. And it's, and it, to the point where the one of the main storylines of the film is about coming to terms with the death of Matt Damon's wife and the children's mother. But yeah. For all the characters. 
and by the end of the film, whenever there's a spark of a of a romance between him and Scarlett Johansson's character, it's completely believable. Like it'd be yeah. very easy at the end of the film for you just to be like, "Well, we just moving on to her now," but it's not that at all. It doesn't feel like that at all. Um, and I'm just uh, just I just absolutely love this film. I just will yeah. say before we sort of chat a little bit uh, chat about it, um, I just wanted to mention uh, it's also got great comedic moments because Thomas Hayden <laughs> Thomas Hayden Church plays the brother of matt yeah. damon's character benjamin me is matt damon duncan me is the brother and he is absolutely hilarious in this film yeah. thomas there's, hayden church is always money yeah there's one moment in particular which is just i wanted to mention here so he thomas hayden church was not behind the idea of buying this zoo he thinks he's wasting no, his money not at all not, no, at all not at all and he and he goes he goes to him uh you got to get rid of this zoo right and then like then uh kelly walks by who is scarlett johansson's ca- character and then he's like, who's that? He's like, that's Kelly. He goes, all right, new plan. <laughs> <laughs> Get rid of the zoo. Keep Kelly. That's yeah, yeah. true joy. <laughs> yeah. so, Thomas Hayden Church. And like, actually, it, I mean, the, the supporting cast in this movie is amazing. But Thomas Hayden Church is always really funny. Yeah. In like everything I've ever seen him in. He's, oh, he's a good fellow. Like, but uh, so there you go. There's, my, there's mine. Uh, we're going to flip a coin to see who goes, who goes number one. Yeah, well, I mean, I will, I will say as well, like just before we do that, I, I think there, there is definitely value to the effect something has on you in the context that you watch it. I, th- I don't, I think that's valid. That's valid criticism of it to be like, well, this is, you know, this meant a lot to me at this time. It's the reason why, I, you know, even though maybe I don't like the newer Star Wars movies as much, I still love Star Wars and Indiana yeah. Jones because, although they're they're all great movies, but because I watched them when I was a kid. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, this also I didn't realize about this movie. It's a Cameron Crowe film. Yeah. I didn't look this up until like the other um, the other day when I was writing uh, the sort of structure for this episode. But but he did like Jerry Maguire and Almost Famous and Vanilla Sky. Like he he he's got some chops. So this, it's not this that, film has chops in general. I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. It's it, I mean we do meme about it, but it it is also genuinely a really good movie. Like it's got a lot of heart. It's very touching. It's got great performances in it. It has a famous bear in the in the cast, which like Bart the Bear the second. Apparently, I've never heard of that, but yeah. yeah. Well, that's a great okay. moment as well with the bear. Jeez, that's, yeah, terrifying. that's terrifying. Horror, horror elements, as I said. Okay, but so here it comes. The moment we've all been waiting for. We're going to decide the best movie of all time. Now, Conrad is flipping a coin virtually. Uh, yeah. So if it does come out that he wins, guys, guys, it's not fixed. I'm going to trust Conrad here, okay? Yeah. So, okay. so I'm going to say heads for aliens, tails for we bought a zoo. Okay. For, for the best movie of all time okay here we go here we go oh it's taking a while it's heads oh it's heads i'm sorry that's that's, that's, that's the way it goes like that that's objectively now the best film of all time lady fate has smiled upon ridley scott this day and maybe we'll get one or two less dislikes now (laughs) (laughs) When when uh, so my hope for this is that random people stumble upon this podcast in the years time when we're when we've withered and turned to dust uh, and they're like oh cool finally someone has ranked the top ten films ever but no one's no one's done that before uh, and then and then and then um and and then they'll see like you know Alien on top as it should be but they maybe they'll go and watch We Bought a Zoo seeing it in that second spot yeah and nestled and in that second what? spot they'll think that should have been number one yeah. 
Um, oh, actually, I forgot to do something here. This is like a remiss of me in my in my podcasting duties, but we were going to go through some honourable mentions. So let's do that very oh, quickly. Oh yes, yes, okay, okay. Honourable... I was going to do it before the number one slot. And oh, but anyway, 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 honourable mentions. So we'll go maybe what, what three honourable mentions each. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So what? What do you you go through your honourable honourable mentions first? So my first honourable mention is Toy Story. Uh, great. Great first ever computer animated film. I needed to include something from my childhood slash something from the animated world. Uh, you had an animated one in there, but I needed. Yep. I wanted something. I was. I thought Long and Hard. Um, and to be honest with you, I could have chosen a Disney musical, but at the same time, like they are what they are. They all. They all are what they are. I chose Toy Story because of the sort of the landmark it made in cinema history. Yeah. Um, which is just it's just a great buddy film. You know. It is. Uh, it is. Yeah, it so makes me cry. That's my that's my first honorable mention. Second honorable mention would be uh, Interstellar. Okay. Which uh, see the score of that film, right? Mm. The 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 organ, like they they play the organ in a church in a church, right? It's it's just oh my god, that film just makes me feel things honestly. Like it's Hans, Hans Zimmer, right? The score. It's Hans for, Zimmer, uh, yeah, yeah. Hans Zimmer, uh, and they and they played a church organ, and it was it's it's just amazing. I I just love that film. I love like so I love when Christopher Nolan plays with time and gr- like yeah. the idea of the gravity and the time. I I, I just love that. I, I love that Christopher Nolan like you know again Christopher Nolan is someone that's memed a lot and but uh, I don't meme on things unless I truly like them really. Yeah. Um, Christopher Nolan to me, I, he's not made a film that I don't like. I've even watched uh, Following, so I've I've watched seen them all. I've but, never seen that actually. It's but it's a black and white. It's it's great. It's his first film, but um, I like he's he's really interesting director to me, and I I, I watched uh. A film of his last night, which we'll mention later on. But uh, I, I watched all. I watched it. I finished watching it at one thirty in the morning, and then I then I then watched an hour and a half of special features straight after. Uh. I, I swear, because uh, even just his process, like a lot of the time, you would think of like uh, Metron Sen. You know, like you think of like these auteurs who like take control of every single bit, yeah. and like Chris Nolan is is that. But at the same time. He has real faith in the creative people that he puts around him, and he and he and he and he brings like the like the 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 person we were talking earlier about the the the, the score um, of Punch Drunk Love. It's the same thing with Chris Nolan films. Chris Nolan actually has the uh, composer, same composer as The Mandalorian, by the way. Uh, oh, okay, that's uh, interesting. For, for Tenet, anyway, for Tenet, not I didn't know Interstellar that. was Hans Zimmer. Tenet is yeah. uh, he's moved on because Hans Zimmer was busy, but um, he brings them in. And, uh, and and has them the whole way through the process. They come to the set. They write music before things have been shot, and then he's able to shoot the stuff, uh, to shoot the scenes based on what the music is. Yeah. Um. And it really gives. It, and it's the same with the editor. The editor comes to the set the whole time. So anyway, Chris Dolan, I think, and I, I'm just going to mention straight away. My other honorable mention, to be honest with you, would have been Inception too. Now there's a hundred yeah. million. Like I could go on forever. I could go Twelve Years a Slave. Blah blah blah. I could I could go so many amazing films that I could list. But I'm going to choose those those three. Because yeah, okay. What about you? No, I mean they're they're, they're good movies, and as you say, we joke about Christopher Nolan because he kind of became the the like uh, film bro uh, filmmaker de jour. But honestly, like I like a lot of his movies. I don't like Interstellar as much as you do, but I think sound design and score mm. are always reliable in his movies. Like his his sound design and score is always great. And and to say you know Interstellar, I don't dislike Interstellar. I think it's a good movie. I it just all comes it, down to how the last ten minute play, ten minutes. Yeah, play like for the you. ending really didn't land with me at all. It landed um, with which, me. Yeah, um, but but you know, he makes great movies. Prestige as well. I love Prestige. I yeah. think that's a fantastic movie. Um, so my honorable mentions then are um, number one is uh, I say number one. These aren't numbered. Is uh, Singing in the Rain. Uh, I do like a musical, and Singing in the Rain is one of the best musicals ever made. Um, it's just just 
joyous from start to finish. It's only like 90 minutes long, mm-hmm. so it, it's just it moves at a hell of a clip. Um, dancing is amazing, song is amazing, story's fun, and you know it's always great when Hollywood gets to write a movie about itself because yeah. uh, they know what they're doing. Um, the other one is uh, I, I. This is going to make me sound really like <laughs> maybe these two, last two are going to make me sound pretentious. I don't intend it to be if um, <laughs> if that comes across that way. Uh, one of them is Casablanca, um, which oh, is uh, Michael Curtiz's film. Um, it's just amazing. It's yeah. it's you know it's 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 a love story for the ages. It's still quoted and referenced in plenty of things today, which shows how influential it is. I don't think it's aged at all. Humphrey Bogart's performance is fantastic he's mm-hmm. he's really funny in it um well worth checking out if you want to watch like a classical romance yeah um fun. and my last one is run which is an akira kurosawa movie it's like an adaptation of king lear um it's very long i, w- I warn you ahead of time if anyone's going to go and watch that but it is one of the most beautiful uh movies to look at i've ever seen um and if you like king lear Shakespeare's pretty good, so like in in general. Uh, so Ran is uh, a great movie to check out. Awesome. Um, so I'm just going to quickly go through our top ten again, and then we will move on to wrapping things up for the week. So okay. we've got in the number ten slot, we've got Happy Gilmore. In the number nine slot, we've got Punch Drunk Love. Mm-hmm. In the number eight slot, we have Perfect Blue. In the number seven slot, we have... Oh, hold on now. There Will Be Blood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. In the number six slot, we have... I can't remember what we agreed on with this. Was it number six slot, we had The Last Black Man in San Francisco? Yep. Number five slot, we have Blade Runner. Yep. Number four slot, we have... Uh, the Thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> number three slot, we have the Back to the Future trilogy. Number two is uh we bought a zoo hey that rhymes i'm happy with that yep and number one is alien so there you go the objective top 10 best movies ever made we can finally stop having that conversation now yeah and that is the top (laughs) no matter how long this podcast goes on for that is our top 10 that'll never be it'll never be never be revised never be addressed (laughs) yeah that's great okay right there's only really one thing left for us to uh, establish at the end of this podcast. Um, and really, it just boils down to this, Anthony. And that is, uh, what is your favorite movie? My favorite movie is Tenet. <laughs> Great. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm currently in the buzz of like, you know, when you see a, a really good film and like you're in, you're in the buzz of like for the next few days, you're like, I think that might be the best movie ever made. <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> like I always like when you, when you walk it out the cinema, you're like, geez, that was just, I think I've just had the best experience of my life. Yeah. Um, so when Inception came out, my wife and I went to see it in the cinema four times. Uh, I think, I think whenever, and I will, I hold, hold up, but there's the, there's the case. I think, I think if uh tenant was in the cinema for me, cause I didn't go cause of coronavirus. I would have went to see it multiple times, if I'm honest with you. Yeah. Um, I'm going to watch it multiple times. I am going to be doing a video essay on it. It is I what they've tried to do in this film. And I will say tried, because I haven't made a decision on whether they've been successful yet. Um, but what they've tried to do with the concept of time in this is absolutely mind-blowing. Like, I, I... Okay. All right. That's all I'll say. Like, it's just... All right. It's it's good. Oh, John David Washington as well is just amazing in it. I'm really really he I love him in Black Klansman and I I think he's got a great future ahead of him. Um Kenneth Branagh uh plays a Always really good. Kenneth Branagh plays a real hammy Russian bad guy. Basically what Tenet is. Tenet is like 
it's it's a James Bond film, but they are putting it on crack and introducing time travel into it. That's okay. That's what it is. That um, right. Uh, it is. It's literally. Like, there was rumors for years that Christopher Nolan would do a Bond film. Maybe he still will. But I kind of view this as his Bond film. You know, it's so good. Uh, you should check it out. Yep, I will do. Um, and my favorite movie um, is uh, Claire Duvall's Happiest Season. It's a Christmas movie. It's about a uh, girl who is not out to her parents and brings her girlfriend home, uh, and she has to pretend to be oh, her yeah. roommate. I've heard about and this it's, actually. It's very funny and it's very touching as well. It's got Ooh. Mackenzie Davis, Kristen Stewart. Kristen uh, Stewart. Aubrey, that's right. Yeah, Kristen Stewart plays her, plays a girlfriend. Mackenzie Davis is the sort of uh, the one who has uh, a politician for a father, so uh, she has like a lot of pressure on her to live uh, according to his norms. Um, it's got Alison Brie and Aubrey Plaza as supporting characters. It's really good. If you're in the mood for a Christmas movie with a lot of heart, it's quite touching. Made me cry a couple of times. Um, uh, Happier season is the movie to and go for. Where can we catch that? Because I think I watched that. Um, it's on. Where did I watch it? I think I watched it on Sky. It's on that. Yeah, it's probably on now, other streaming now TV services. Then. Now TV. Yeah, it'll probably be on Now TV. Okay, yeah. Awesome. Um. Uh, hopefully, it's on some other streaming services internationally as well. Um. But it, yeah, well worth checking out. Very really good Christmas movie. Um. But yeah. So we'll do. I think that that basically does us for uh for this week folks um yeah thanks so, very much for listening yeah we've done it we've we've got you've made it to the end if anyone's still listening now we, we thank you so much we really honestly do from the bottom of our heart because like sort of stepping away from the tv show dark is has been a little bit we think it's something we've been thinking for to thinking of doing for a while and if you've come with us on this journey we are forever grateful to you honestly yeah, yeah. I think I like. I can't say thank you enough to the people who are who have supported us through this and who are listening to us. Um, also, want to say uh, thank you to Nancy Wyatt and Jared Iscariot for the use of our theme song. Uh, check out their other stuff uh, from the link in the description. And yeah, thank you to you all uh, for listening. We hope you stay safe and happy in this holiday season. Um, I've been Conrad. He has been Anthony James. That's me. There he is. Uh, And we will catch you all next week. Same pod time, same pod place. And cut.